When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You are listening to Rumbuncher Radio. This is episode number 83. Marty Leap, Trey Yannity, back with you tonight. A little bit more of a chill podcast this time around. We're just going to discuss these last couple of weeks, everything going on with the team. Uh, you know, a lot has gone on with the team since the last time we talked. Marty, a 21 to nothing loss. But <laughs> at the same time, this team did get back to 500 after that. Now sitting at 8-11 and 11 after the second sweep from Milwaukee. Brewers got the Bucks numbers to this point in the season. Um, you know, I want to say I'm excited to talk about that. Not too excited to talk about that series, but I am excited to talk about some other stuff. It is draft night as we record your draft night number one. So happy NFL draft to everybody as well. Um, Marty, I see you got a Yankees hat on. I know you had Little League Baseball in, in the fold tonight, but um, what do we got? What do we got going on here? Yeah, uh, my oldest son's 12U team this year. We are the Yankees. Last year we were the Braves. We just year before that we were the Giants. Only 14 wild card game. We just can't get away from teams that I have reasons to dislike, but uh, <laughs> no, yeah, tonight was the start of our 12U season. It was an adventurous game. We were we were down 16 to nothing at one point, um, wound up losing 16 to 11, and only lost because we hit the time limit. So it was a it was a very interesting game. And but hey, you know, baseball season's back on the little league level for us. That's what matters. And I get back to having my two or three nights a week where I can spend two hours yelling at an umpire who doesn't know what he's doing and losing my voice in the process and having batters get down to first base and lean over to me in the first base coach's box and tell me the umpire's clueless. And I just got to agree with them and roll with it. So <laughs> anyone out there who is a parent of, you know, a little league baseball player, especially if you coach you, 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 you understand what I'm saying. I know you get it. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's not the best realm of umpires I'll, I'll say for little league baseball, but, Glad to hear you buried with it. 27 runs, Marty. Are they uh they juicing the baseballs down there in the, the Pennsylvania Little League? They might be. You know, it was um, a lot of gap shots. Um, you know, there was definitely a fair share of ground balls that found some holes and some drops and some walks. But the, the typical early season 12U stuff where 
you just you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, got to work out the kinks. Uh, we'll definitely stay updated with with the season there with the Yankees. Um, your Yankees, of course, throughout the season. <laughs> but the Pirates, uh, now I guess 19 games in, 8 and 11. Two sweeps uh, on their hands, um, you know, and they lost two out of three in St. Louis. But around that, Marty, this team has looked good. They've had a lot of fight in them. Obviously, a 21-run loss is no fun, but you're going to have those with a team like this. We saw a position player in that game. I know you have an article out about right now, um, you know, about Castillo and how he needs more playing time. That might not be the role that you're looking for there. But, uh, (laughs) you know, outside of that, this team has been very fun to watch and, you know, as we kind of start by just talking about the pitching staff and really focusing, you know, on today's game, um, you know, what, what's gone wrong against Milwaukee? Why has this team not been able to figure it out? 12 to 8 in, in game one, Mitch Keller, you know, an interesting start. We're going to get into that uh, here a little bit more in a minute. But, you know, what has been the formula for Milwaukee to just absolutely have the Buccos numbers so far this year? Yeah, it's been weird. You know, the Pirates are 8-11 and 11 overall, 0-6 against the Brewers. So take away the Brewers and the Pirates have been a pretty good baseball team. And even with the Brewers, you know, you look at these games, and the five of the six games the Pirates easily could have won. Um, they've pitched extremely well against the Brewers for the most part. It's It's been that Brewer pitching staff, which you'd expect. I mean, the Brewers are one of the best teams in the National League, one of the best teams in all of baseball, and their pitching staff is the reason why. And it's hurt the Pirates, but – you know, today's loss was probably the most disheartening one of them all against Milwaukee. Whenever they – you have a game where there's no offense whatsoever. You, you scratch out those two runs late, and you feel like you're going to pull it off. And it's just – especially with how reliable the back end of the Pirate bullpen has been so far this year. And, you know, even some other stuff in this game. You, the, the ball Diego Castillo hit in the third inning would have been a home run in 24 out of 30 major league ballparks. Um, what was it? What's Wednesday night. Colton Wong, the ultimate pirate killer, just made one of the best double plays you're ever going to see from a second baseman. I mean, it was a ball that when Key Brian Hayes hit it, honestly, most second baseman, that's in center field. And the Pirates, they wound up getting a run on the play to take a one nothing lead, but you probably are, are tied to the game, whatever it was. But regardless, you're probably looking at runners on the corners and nobody out, but Wong just turns into just a remarkable double play. So, you know, it's it's frustration. As we'll get into with with Mitch Keller's start, he pitched better than his line stated. A lot of frustration there and just tough luck and, you know, that error in the ninth inning of that game that hurt the Pirates. But it's the Brewers, man. It's been this way for 15 years. It's it's even even in 13, 14, and 15 when the Pirates are good and the Brewers stunk, they still couldn't beat the Brewers. It's just whatever it is about the Milwaukee Brewers, the Pirates just can't solve them. They've never been able to for – almost two decades now. It's just, you come to expect it, but yeah, overall, you got to be happy with what you've seen from this team thus far. You know, they, they've played extremely well. They took three out of four from Chicago, even though they lost the game 21 to nothing. They took three out of four from Washington. The bullpen's been really good. Derek Sheldon. I think we've seen him grow leaps and bounds as a manager, which has been great to see. And, you know, you, you look at the roster and this season's going to be all about, Young guys, you want to see guys who are going to be given an opportunity to perform. We've seen that from Michael Chavis. You know, you see Cabrian Hayes off to a great start offensively, which, you know, with Hayes, it's a little bit different of a situation, but you still like to see him good, do well offensively because that's always the big question with him. And, you know, you look at like even a guy like Jack Sawinski, who has come up and looks like he belongs. You know, Diego Castillo, I know the results have not been there quite yet, but at no point has he looked overmatched. I have no doubts he's going to be just fine. You know, these young guys have performed well for the Pirates. That's what you want to see. 
No doubt. And, you know, I think overmatched is a great word because we're not seeing any of that really this season from anybody on the team. The last two seasons, you know, I don't want to call any, anybody out specifically, um, but we, we saw some guys certainly get overmatched at the big league level. Love the call up of Sawinski. Um, you know, an interesting situation. Brian Reynolds hits uh, the COVID IL. So we, uh, you know, we get to see Jack Swinski for the first time. And like you said, fits in right away. Picked up his first RBI today. Um, you know, got to hold on to that baseball. But just a tough series. And now the Pirates have had to face Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff twice. Um, you know, never an easy feat. But uh, you would have loved to get one out of six there against the crew. You know, you look back to that Chicago series, too. We talk about Pirate Killers and Colton Wong. I think Seiya Suzuki is, uh, is prime candidate number one here. I mean, he's played against the Pirates now what, seven times and has hit three home runs, like five RBIs. The dude has absolutely killed the Pirates. Been killing everybody to this point. Um, but, you know, you look at this team and, and you really look at, at the pitching overall. The bullpen's been great, like you said, at the back end. You've loved what you've seen out of guys like Dylan Peters. Heath Embry has looked great. Didn't look, um, you know, didn't have his best outing the other night uh, with the three-run bomb there. You know, maybe the dagger in that game. But other than that, you, you loved what you gotten out of the bullpen. But when it comes to the starters, um, you know, it, it's it just has not been there. I think the combined ERA is still above six four at this point. The team ERA, bullpen included, is at five one three now. Um, the league average is at four three eight. So uh, you know, it just it, it has not been good. And we've seen them, you know, do the opener, try that out. Obviously, worked brilliantly the other night. Um, you know, with with Dylan Peters opening it up for Bryce Wilson, but. You know, what's going to be the answer for the starting rotation? Do we need to see other guys start to get start, you know, uh, opportunities? I would love uh, to see a Ronzi Contreras start at some point here soon. But, you know, what has to change for the starting rotation to pick it up? Yeah, you know, the starting rotation, it's, it's the biggest question mark on this team coming into the season. is going to be the biggest question mark on the team. You know, Jose Quintana's pitched really well for the Pirates, um, which is great to see. If nothing else, he's going to pitch himself and be a, a really good trade chip in July if he keeps us up. You know, through his his first four starts after turning a strong start against the Brewers on Thursday afternoon, has a three thirty two ERA. He's fifth under four. He's only allowed two home runs. He's got just eight walks and seventeen strikeouts and nineteen innings pitched. He this is the closest Jose Quintana's looked to being the old Jose Quintana in quite a while. But the, the rotation outside of Quintana just you don't know what you're going to get. Keller's been up and down. They had to go to an opener for Bryce Wilson. Um, excuse me, Zach Thompson is just – I mean, the area I think is over 10 right now. So, it, it's been an adventure with the rotation. You know, I would like with this starting rotation to see Miguel Urega an opportunity. I know he struggled some out of the bullpen, but I still think he can be quality starter for the Pirates. And obviously the elephant in the room is Ronzi Contreras, who just was looked phenomenal out of the bullpen for the Pirates. Um you know, it's it's crazy because they'll send Rollins and Contreras to the minors and say he needs to work on this, he needs to work on that. But the first time the Pirates get an injury, anything of the sort of the starting rotation, after probably about May 15th, Rollins and Contreras will magically will fix everything he needs to fix the AAA and we'll be back up here. But no, um, yeah, the, the rotation is probably going to be an adventure all season. Katana has been your best guy. He's probably going to continue to be your best guy. And he's going to be traded in July, assuming the team is out of it, which they most likely will be. But I still think that the opportunities there for this rotation improve throughout the season. Um, you know, once you get Contreras back up here, you like to see what Uray can do. I still think JT Brubaker can be a good starting pitcher. I feel like we've seen Brubaker steadily improve in each start this season. 
Um, last time out against the Cubs, he only threw 44 pitches in three innings because of a flu bug, and I thought he looked really good. So I still think Brubaker could be a guy. You know, we might see someone like Mike Burrows in the rotation this year. Um, this, I mean, I shout out to Mike Burrows real quick, friend of the podcast. Dude has been killing it at Double A Altoona. Um, coming into the season, there are a few higher prospects who were climbing prospect boards faster than Burroughs was, and he has not slowed down at all. And four starts for the curve. His ERA is one. He has walked four guys, and he has struck out 23 in 18 innings pitch. He's off to a phenomenal start. But as you see guys like that slowly reach the majors and get into this rotation, I think it improves the season goes on now. Until then, options are definitely limited for Sheldon. I like the opener idea. It worked really well with Bryce Wilson with going with Dylan Peters. I think moving forward, there's no reason not to continue to do that with Bryce Wilson. Um, especially with the, the success you had, you know, a guy like Quintana who has proven as a starter guys like Brubaker and Keller, who you still have long-term hopes for. You don't want to do openers with them, but with a Bryce Wilson, even with a Zach Thompson, why not go for it? Why not try it? Use Dylan Peters, chase the young will crow, whoever it might be. You've had multiple guys who can give you two or three and start a game of pitch really well so far. Both Salser, if he's still around, give him an opportunity. You know, it's, you have options. Maybe none of them are great options, but you have options to try and be creative. And at this point, that's what the season's all about. Be creative, see what guys can do, and see who can and can't potentially pitch or pitch themselves into potential long-term role with this team. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, there's just so many different guys you would love to see get their chance at some point this season. Um, yeah, and shout out Mike Burrows. I mean, absolutely dominating so far down there in double A. So uh, keep it up, Mike. We uh, need to get him back on, need to get our, our minor league rotation. And at some point, we're going to get a roundtable uh, with some of these guys we've had on in the past. But, um, you know, as their seasons go on, it's been so fun to follow. And, you know, that's what the season's about. That's what these last two now into the third season, you know, has kind of been develop the farm, see what you have. And now we're getting to turn the page a bit. Uh, but, you know, one guy that needs to be part of the rotation in the long run, you know, or, or you'd love to be a part of the rotation in the long run if you could figure it out, Mitch Keller, a guy that we talk about every single week on this podcast. Uh, and Marty talked about it before the show. I think we're just going to set aside a little bit of time every show, just have a Mitch Keller segment. Talk about uh, the crazy roller coaster ride that is Mitch Keller. Um, but we have, you know, different Mitch Keller, Mitch Keller 2.0 this season. So, uh, you know, after this most recent start, 12-day loss, like I said, he did not suffer that loss. I think it was four earned runs, over five innings. Um, yeah, <laughs> how do you feel? What, what are the uh, the waters feeling like at this point on Mitch Keller? I mean, <clears throat> after his previous start against Milwaukee, you were really hoping Keller turned a corner. I still would argue that was his best major league start he's ever had. Um and then this, he comes out, what was it, Tuesday night? And it was weird because he, he walks Colton Wong to start the game, gives up that home run to Willie Adamas, and it was a home run that just barely cleared the center field wall. I mean, I, I remember watching him play live thinking Marisnik was going to have a beat on the ball. Yeah. And if Reynolds is healthy, maybe he grabs that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And then he kind of settled in for a while. And then you get into the fifth inning, and, and Christian Yelich lays down that bunt that you're thinking there's no way this is – you're thinking Yelich is going to be out, and he's not. And things just kind of unraveled a little bit for Keller there. A little bit of tough luck with that Adamas double that was just barely fair that scored two runs and brought Keller's night to the end or to an end before Aaron Fletcher came in. So, I don't know. I think 
he didn't pitch great in that game. He only had one strikeout, only generated seven whiffs, neither of which you ever want to see out of a starting pitcher, especially over four and two-thirds innings. But there were still signs of it. I, I still think – I know people are frustrated with Keller. I'm extremely frustrated with Keller, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows. But right now there's no reason to not continue to trot him out every five days. You know, he's he's showing signs of being close to getting this turned around. <clears throat> and quite frankly, even if he wasn't, who else is going to start right now? You know, in a season like this, who's going to start? Give Keller the ball, continue to give him the ball, see what he can do. I know the 662 ERA is not pretty whatsoever, but it's he's pitched better than that. All his peripherals are better than that. I still think Keller, if he continues to pitch, the way he has all season so far. And again, it's only four starts, but Kenny's the pitch the way he has. I think he, he will still develop into a pretty decent middle of the back of the rotation arm. And again, though, you're looking at a season where you're almost for sure going to finish under 500. You're not going to compete. You're going to kick yourselves if you don't give Keller 20, 25 starts at least to see what he can do. And, you know, you get 20, 25 starts deep and Keller's still out there with an ERA, five, six, whatever it might be. At that point, you start to look at life after Mitch Keller. But right now, there's no reason to be thinking about that, especially because he has flashed at times this year the ability to be the pitcher that everyone thought he could be. I'm right there with you. I mean, there's a there's been a complete confidence makeover, if nothing else, with Mitch Keller. You know, the ERA in the sixes, like you said, not pretty, but you like this look of Mitch Keller. And in a season, like you said, where it's going to be what it is, give him his opportunities to continue to grow. Uh, completely off topic. It's so weird looking at this Commanders logo up on the draft board now. Still not getting used to this in DC, uh, but oh, I like it's, the change. It's, it's, it's hideous. You don't like the brand? No, I don't like the logo. At least it's hideous. Yeah, it's it's a little too basic. I don't miss you with the Commanders because I get it, but I'm just not a fan of the logo. I've always thought DC should be completely USA themed for all these. Yeah, 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 I agree. But. Yeah, um, the Commanders pick is in right now, so uh, probably not going to be listening to this before the pick is announced, but uh, <laughs> you're going to know, uh, and we will know here in a second as well. But Marty, as we keep rolling it along here, just kind of talking about, uh, you know, this pitching staff a little bit, um, you know, and Miguel Yahoo a little bit more. Where does the rest of the season go for him? Are we going to see starts at any point? He's really struggled at certain times. Nice bounce back effort today. Uh, but this is a guy we saw start last season and a guy that I would love to see continue to get his opportunities, like Mitch Keller, like Rowanzi Contreras, when um, you know, when he does get that chance after his magical day uh, later in the month. Um, you know, when do we see Miguel Yahoo Ray really get his chance to start? Yeah, I still think we see Yahoo Ray get an opportunity as a starting pitcher. There's no reason not to. I know he struggled this year, but entering last year, the guy was a top 100 prospect, comes up, makes two really good starts with the Pirates in late or, or late April and early May. Goes back down to AAA, gets hurt, rejoins the Pirates in September. He's not healthy. His velocity's way down. And they took a real slow, methodical approach to him at the season. His velocity's back up. You know, his biggest issue, honestly, thus far, has just been struggling to miss bats and struggling to generate a swing and a miss. And that's, you know, that, that can plague any pitcher. If you look at Uray's numbers, you know, he, he's only allowed, excuse me, he's only allowed one home run this year. And you want to see a little bit better command from him. But 
the command is what you raise known for. I've always said because of his command alone, he's probably going to be a solid at least back end of the rotation starter. So I expect the command to come back around and it, it's, it's a swing and miss. He needs to start generating more swing and miss on the air. He's only got, if you look at a pitch by pitch breakdown, his four seamers only got 10.5% whiff rate, 13% of the changeup and 7.7% of the sinker. If he can start to generate some more swings and misses, start to generate some more whiffs, I think he'll be okay. And regardless, again, th- th- there's no reason not to give him an opportunity as a starting pitcher because your, your starting rotation just isn't – it's not good. So you might as well see what the guy who one year ago was a top 100 prospect and at the time looked like potentially the headliner in the Jamison Tyone trade can do. And if you look at the numbers a little deeper on your rate, I mean, his, his opposing barrel rate is under the major league average. So, you know, he's not – there's reason for hope there. His his batting average and balls in play is 378. Um, for those who don't know, league average is 300. So, basically, if you're a pitcher, the, the higher above a 300 batting average and balls in play you are, the more it indicates you're due for some good luck, some, some progression towards the norm. So there's a lot of reasons to believe Uray will be better moving forward. I still think he's got the stuff there. I think he's got the command there. Let's see what he can do. And just, I would like to see him get an opportunity to start a rotation. You know, if nothing else, I know this way down the road. And if it takes this long for him to get starts, it's kind of be frustrating. But if nothing else, when Quintana's moved this summer, let's see what he can do. And, you know, even like a Bryce Wilson, a Zach Thompson, either of these guys are long-term parts of this rotation. Uray might be, let's see what he can do. Exactly. Just give him the opportunity to, to test some things out here. Still so young, along with Ronzi, um, you know, and a lot of guys that we hope to see by the end of the season. But, you know, a guy that, that is still very young and, you know, a guy we've gotten the chance to see so far this year, Diego Castillo. You and I both love him. I think all Pirates fans uh, have grown to love Diego Castillo here. Had such a hot spring and, you know, has rolled that over into uh, into the regular season now. I know you had an article out this week, you know, kind of vying for more playing time for Diego Castillo. When do we see him get his chance every day? Um, you know, what does that look like? You know, I'm hoping now with Kevin Newman set to miss three to five weeks and and no no Cruz not being recalled, we see Castillo just play every day shortstop. Let's see what he can do with the bat. I mean, he's still only 24 years old. Um, after he came over to the Pirates last year in the Clay Holmes trade, all he did in the minor leagues was hit. All he did in spring training was hit. Um, I, I know right now his overall major league numbers are not spectacular um that said he's never looked overmatched at any point in the plate this year so you you have to oh shit john dotson went to washington that's pretty awesome oh wow a pick for dotson i love it there but anyway sorry um <laughs> we you, are you have to um with castillo you, you have to like what you've seen in terms of his plate presence he has not looked overmatched at all He's hitting the ball. His strikeout rate's under 20%. And, you know, you and I talked about off-air before we started. He hit a ball today in the third inning. Would have been a home run in 24 out of 30 MLB ballparks. You know, he, he's got really soft hands, really quick hands up the middle of the, uh, middle of the infield. Just let him play every day until Newman's back. Let's see what you have in Castillo again. This season should be all about seeing what you have in guys like Diego Castillo. Let him play and let's see what you have in the kid. Another one of those guys, um, you know, they just love to see you get the opportunity. A running theme here that we hope to see, you know, kind of carry out as the season goes on. Um, you know, just kind of touch on the minor leagues real quick. 
before we wrap it up tonight, did uh, did you see the O'Neill Cruz home run pimp job and uh, you know your thoughts on it? It was an angry pimp. Oh, absolutely! It was it was beautiful. Um, and I can't wait till the first time we see it in the major leagues with the Pirates. Um, no, I mean O'Neill Cruz got a little bit of a slow start the season. Has really started to pick up in the last week or so to play. Uh, one other guy in the minors, I think, really needs to touch on right now is Mason Martin. Um, <clears throat> hit his fourth home run for AAA on Thursday night. Leads the International League in extra base hits. He's kind of stabilized that strikeout rate out, which has always been the big concern with him is the strikeout rate. And Noah wrote about on the site on Thursday with how much Yoshi Susugo has struggled this year. And, you know, you got to be getting potentially close to the point where you start to consider giving Martin, getting Martin up here, give him a look at first base. Um I've never been a big believer in Mason Martin, largely because of that strikeout rate. But to his credit, he has stabilized that out and is, like I said, leading the National League in extra base hits. Why not give him an opportunity? Uh, I still think another guy at AAA to keep tabs on who's off to a phenomenal start this season is Cal Mitchell, who I still think could be a very good MLB outfielder. We mentioned Burroughs and some under-the-radar guys to keep an eye on in the, in the in the minors, and we'll have something on the site about this on Friday. Jacob Gonzalez, the son of Luis Gonzalez, has just been killing it at Lowe Bradenton. The Pirates added him in the Rule 5 minor league draft this year. He's been killing it for the Marauders. Off to a great start, and Levera Paguero off to really a start double Altoona, which I can't help but laugh at because, you know, to, uh, to go back in spring training when O'Neill Cruz was – toying with the outfield and I simply took to Twitter to say that, you know, the pirates still have a Vero Paguero. They probably want Cruz to learn other positions in case Paguero pans out. And I had people jump down my throat to tell me that Paguero does not know how to hit. You don't become a top 100 shortstop prospect who led the league in errors without knowing how to hit. So yeah, Paguero's off to phenomenal start double a probably see him a triple a for the end of the year. Yeah. The, the, the pirate minor league system, you know, off to a good start. I believe that, uh, Greensboro is the only minor league team that's currently under 500. So yeah, lots of good stuff going on there and make sure we, if not, we try to have it every day. We might miss here and there, but every, we try every day to have our minor league recap of the day's action for the pirate minor league system. So always make sure check in at for the daily recap of what happened in the minor in the minor league system for the pirates. Guys, be sure to go check that out and all the rest of the great content on run Bunter right now into the season. So, you know, that means we have so many different articles coming out about the team, like Marty said about the minor leaguers. And if you guys don't already follow Rum Bunter on Twitter, you're going to want to do that, too. At Rum Bunter, you know, always just hanging out during the games, tweeting what you guys want to hear. You know, that's how I first learned about Rum Bunter. So, guys, please go find him on Twitter at Rum Bunter. Uh, you know, Marty, as we kind of wrap it up tonight, just previewing these next few series, um, you know, your thoughts on Pirates Padres and then Pirates Tigers. Uh, and then to wrap it up, Pirates versus the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> that was my evil voice. I had to pull it out for the Reds. Yeah, I mean, the Padres series should be fun. You know, the, that Padres team is a lot of fun to watch. Um, might not be fun in terms of what happens on the field for the Pirates. Um, I mean, you look at Detroit and Cincinnati. Detroit, that's definitely a team I think the Pirates can match up well with. If you have not seen how the Tigers lost to the Twins on Wednesday night, please go look it up. It is just all-time hysterical. The walk off the Twins managed. Um, and as for the Reds, the Reds very well might be the worst team in baseball. Uh, what they've lost, what was 11 in a row at one point, I think. They did so, not. I heard they started or they uh, they took the streak for the longest games lost by multiple runs consecutively. 
Yeah, so. it was they, they uh I think it was eleven. It was yeah, I know it was at least ten, if not eleven. Mm-hmm. The Reds are a mess. Um, you know, they completely tore it down fire sale in the offseason and their owner came out in the papers and pissed off fans even further by telling them basically where are you gonna go by boycotting us. So <laughs> listen, people, I it could always be worse than Bob Nutting. Um yeah. as as crazy as it may sound, it could always be worse than Bob Nutting because Bob Castellini is a, a just uh, a disaster. But I don't feel bad for the Reds or their fans because, quite frankly, you know, excuse me, I need to fuck the Cincinnati Reds. So, that yeah. is but um, yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, you get through this Padre series, you'd love to get one of three from San Diego, and then you're set up to win some ball games against the Tigers and the Reds, two teams the Pirates match up well with. And quite frankly, the Reds are a team the Pirates are better than. So, I still, I still firmly believe that by the end of the season, and the Pirates might already be the, might already be the, better than both the Reds and the Cubs and already be the third best team in the National League Central behind Milwaukee and St. Louis. And if not, I think by the end of the year, they certainly will because they're already better than Cincinnati and they're worst equal to the Cubs because that Cubs team, don't let the Cubs allure whatever it is for you. That Cubs team is terrible. Yeah, I mean, come on. And five and two at this point against the Cubs. So it's already been a great start. Um, You know, I got to ask, Marty, I I know you're always bashing the Cardinals. Would you say the hatred is for St. Louis or, uh, or Cincinnati? See, for me, I, it's more of a pure hatred. It's definitely the Reds. Like, the Cardinals have never really done anything to anger me other than just be, like, the model franchise. Like, the Cardinals are what I wish the Pirates were. The Cardinals are what you should wish. No matter what the sport is, you should wish your team is the, is the Cardinals. Like, oh, yeah. they'll call up, you know, some random jabroni from A, and he hits 350. Like, that, it's the Cardinals. That's what they do. But oh, the sure. Reds – and I think – you know, we've talked about this on the show with Jason Mackey before, too. The Pirates and Reds have been, dating back to the 70s, have always been a massive rivalry. They've never liked each other, and it's continued to this day. You look at 13, 14, and 15, the Pirates and Reds were two teams that did not get along. And it seems like still to this day, at least once a year, you have at least one benches clearing brawl between the two teams. There's a lot of hatred there between the cities, between the fan base, and between the teams. And the Reds are just very easy to dislike. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's been patented brawls. We got the Yasiel Puig one here in recent memory. Um, you know, it, it's I'm with you. I was hoping you would say the Reds because that's the boat I'm in. But I, you know, I know some people uh, dislike the Reds a little bit more. Yeah, guys, hit us up on Twitter when we post uh, the tweet for this episode. Go back and get in the comments and let us know who you hate more because um, you know there's a lot of hate to go around right now. No, it's uh, it's been a, a fun start to the season. I think you, you could say. Losing record to this point, eight and eleven, but that's what we expected. This team has looked competitive. They've come down three zero now, uh, three in three separate games. So um, you know, you, you just love the fight in this team. You love what you gotten out of the bullpen so far too. They had the best ERA in baseball, uh, you know, for the first week and a half there. So you hope they can keep this up, keep it rolling, um, you know, into these next few weeks. And now you get to go out play Detroit and uh, and play Cincinnati as well. So certainly some winnable games there. Got to hope they can get through uh, San Diego here without getting too banged up. Uh, but until next week, guys, thank you so much for joining us for episode number 83 of Rumbunter Radio. Like I said, be sure to go to rumbunter.com. we got so much content out right now, talking about the season, talking about the minor leagues, um, you know, and all that stuff you guys are excited to get on and read about. So check out some of our blogs there. And be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Rumbunter as well. Until next week, for Marty Leap, my name is Trey Yannity. This has been episode number 83 of Rumbunter Radio. Let's go Bucks.
how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.